Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm New. And if you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. Well, I hope you and your family had a very Merry Christmas. The Christmas season isn't over yet for many of us. If you're like my family, well, there's still a few more Christmas parties and gatherings to get to before we hit New Year's, which I personally like. I don't think the season lasts long enough, to be honest with you. So we're not quite done with Christmas Christmas at Radiant Church either. In fact, today we're going to wrap up our series of talks called Christmas Cards by taking a look at what's been sort of like an obscure passage. Few people have probably taught in the passage we're going to look at here today. It's almost an afterthought, but the Christmas story doesn't end at the nativity. It actually keeps going. So to just to kind of recap for you, uh, in case you're joining us for the first time. We've been unpacking the Christmas story in a series of talks called Christmas Cards, and we started with Mary first. And we learned how important it is for us to trust God with all of our lives. And then we profiled Joseph, and we took away a challenge to obey God no matter what the cost. And then last week, we held our Christmas at Radiant Service, and the shepherds took center stage with a message of great joy passed on to them from the angels. But today, we wrap things up with Jesus, still a small baby in the temple of Jerusalem, where he encounters a man named Simeon. And Luke records this encounter in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. So check this out. At that time, he says, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and he was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah, the Savior, to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, uh, to the, as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your veins very soul. It's quite a word for someone to say to people they've never met before, right? I mean, you know, Mary and Joseph at this point, they knew that Jesus was God's son. They knew he was the Messiah, but I'm not sure if they exactly knew how everything would play out and, uh, in the life of Christ, right? And how all the, the things the angels had spoken about would actually get accomplished. So imagine moms, Someone comes up to you and they say, hey, your kid's destined for great things. They'll be instrumental in tearing down the bad guys and bringing up the good guys. And the immense pain, it'll grip your heart and then it'll pierce your heart when you see their suffering. You know, Mary was probably very astonished when she heard all that. And, and she and Joseph probably wondered, OK, well, what did this guy Simeon, what's he see? You know, and that's something I want to answer here today. What did Simeon see when he saw Jesus? So let's start with who Simeon is for a moment, because if you're watching 
you're listening right now, you probably have never heard of this guy. So Simeon is, is probably an older man. We don't know his age, but he, he's, he's ready to leave this world after seeing Jesus. So I think it's safe to say he's elderly, okay? He's not a priest. He's not a rabbi or a scribe or any other important religious kind of figure or leader. If he had been, Luke would have included the title. He's just a normal dude. Simeon's name actually means God is listening. And I find that interesting, man, because he's described as a righteous and devout person in verse number 25. Just look from that description for a moment. You can kind of get an idea of how Simeon lived. So first, he would have understood that he was an imperfect person made right only by God's grace. That's what righteous means. And since he was righteous, we know that he probably lived out his faith through his words and actions. And that would cause enough people to say he was a godly man, but there's more because he was devout, and that means he was at the temple on a consistent basis to worship. He observed all the Jewish holidays and celebrations. He gave on a regular basis financially his tithe and offering, and he had a consistent prayer life. The name God is listening, well, it makes sense when you think of the kind of man Simeon probably was. And listen to Simeon, God did. He reveals to Simeon that he won't die until he's finally seen the long-awaited Savior. And so Mary and Joseph, they're going to the temple with a six-week-old baby Jesus because the Jewish law required back then that purification sacrifices had to be made when boys were 40 days old or when girls, if you had one, were 80 days old. And so it's at the temple where they interact with Simeon. How many of you guys, by the way, love babies? You're, you're like baby people. You love holding babies, watching them, caring for them. You know, babies have this like really neat way of just causing the whole world to stop, just to pause and take notice, right? I think that's because whenever we see babies, we see innocence, right? We see a miracle. Every, every time a baby's born, it's a miracle. We see a gift from God. We see, we see hope, right? We see hope. We see the next generation. And you can have all kinds of worries and concerns about this world, but when you look into those little eyes and see those little fingers and toes, hope grips your heart. It's almost as if you realize, you know, all right, it's going to work out somehow. God's got it. And I think when Simeon picked up Jesus, he must have seen some of that. It's fitting the encounter takes place at the temple. Every bit of hope that rested in this baby Jesus, well, it would have been revealed at this site years later during his ministry. See, I think Simeon saw hope in the salvation that Jesus would bring to all people. We know that from verses 30 and 31, right? God's promise of salvation did not rest on specific groups or types of people. It was available to everybody and anybody who simply had the faith to believe, as Jesus would later tell a leader named Nicodemus in John 3:16. So the very temple where Simeon's holding Jesus is the, is the very place where Jesus would say, reclaim it for the Gentiles or the non-Jews. We read about this around Easter. When Jesus is kind of clearing out the temple, right? But he's not actually clearing the entire temple out. He's, he's in what's called the court of the Gentiles. So it's the only place where if you're not Jewish, you can come and worship God. If you weren't Jewish, you weren't permitted to go any further into the temple than this area right here in the court of the Gentiles. And so when you came to the temple, you didn't usually have a sacrifice with you. Most folks are traveling a long distance. They're coming from all across the Roman Empire, right? So two things are set up in the court of the Gentiles. There are money exchanges. That's the money table you'll read about, and the purchasing of sacrificial animals. So if you came from Egypt or Greece, you would take your currency and exchange it with temple currency and then go purchase your doves or rams or whatever it was you were going to sacrifice. And all of that's actually fine. No problem with Jesus with that. The problem was where it was all set up. The exchanges and purchases were set up in that court of the Gentiles on purpose so those who were not Jewish would find it nearly impossible to pray and worship God. 
you imagine trying to do this with sheep bleeding and people talking and yelling and coming to and fro? Like, that's why he says, my house will be a house for prayer for all the nations. Matthew 21, 13. So Jesus came to bring hope to all people everywhere. His heart is for each person to have an intimate, meaningful, and transformative encounter with God. And so Simeon saw in Jesus salvation and hope for all people. But he also saw in him the glory of Israel. We read that in this passage, right? Everything spoken about the Messiah in the Old Testament text, the prophets, the um, God, it's all going to get fulfilled in this baby Jesus. This, this is the place where he's going to come as a 12-year-old teaching priests and scribes. This is where he'll stand and tell the massive crowds, hey, this temple will be destroyed and I'll rebuild it in three days. He's talking about himself here. This is where Jesus would, you know, watch the priests carrying buckets of water from a pool to the temple in ritualistic fashion, pouring them out as an offering to God during what's called the Festival of Shelters and knowing who he is and what he offers and why he's here, he shouts anyone who is thirsty can come to me and anyone who believes can come and drink and rivers of living water he yells will flow from his heart that's the very place where Jesus will reveal who he is He's the fat, the son of God, but he tells people before Abraham was, I am, in John 8, 58. I am was the name for God, the name that God gave to Moses. It's how God identified himself in the Old Testament. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, Simeon saw in Jesus the cost of our salvation as well, right? Listen one more time to that warning that he gives to Mary. Verse number 34. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. So what can we learn from this small but important encounter in Luke's story? Well, first, I think we can learn that Jesus brings the hope of salvation to all people. Nobody's excluded. Nobody's left out. You can have a brand new life. You can start over. You hit that refresh button, man, simply by choosing to serve and follow Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us that anybody who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We're facing a, a, a brand new year in a few days, and I know most of us are ready to say good riddance to 2020. I get it. And many people look forward to so many new things each new year that never quite materialize, right? And part of the way through January or into February, whatever goals and dreams they set out to achieve, well, they're over, you know? It got too hard, got too costly, it was too much, and so they quit. A new life in Christ is not smooth sailing. It's going to get tough. It'll be hard moments. You'll have moments where you're going to feel like sacrificing all this stuff is for nothing. But when you have those moments, remember Simeon. He was given a promise. He would see the hope of salvation in this baby Jesus. He kept the faith. He didn't give up. He held the Savior in his hands. So don't you give up either, man. Allow this new life in Christ to flourish. Stick with it for the long haul. And as Christ's hope and love permeate through your life over time, you will find yourself transformed and changed into the person that God always designed you to be. That change is the result of salvation, which came at great cost, but it's freely given to you and to me. And that actually brings me to the second lesson today from Simeon's story. The following Jesus comes at a cost. 
See, the hope that Jesus brings cost him his very life. He was resurrected three days later, but the physical, mental, and emotional pain he went through, the death he endured for you and for I to have salvation, it cost him everything. We can freely choose to follow Jesus so we can receive that new life rooted in salvation, but it's going to cost us something at some point. Around the world, it means when you stand firm for Christ, you might go to prison. It means you might go to concentration camps. And for others, it could mean death. You know, next year, 2021, we're not going to see that kind of intense persecution in America. But I think if 2020 has shown us anything, it's shown us that we're heading down a path as a nation that I don't think we want to go down. It'll become more and more difficult to keep the hope that Christ brings. There'll be challenges that will cause you to question some things. There'll be moments where you'll feel the tension and stress of decisions that will impact the well-being of your entire family or business or people around you. And you will have to decide if being labeled a myriad of false things by our society or even our own government is worth keeping that hope in Christ public or not because it's coming. There's a cost to the extent that you're going to have to pay something. The days of easy Christianity have come to an end. As we jump into a new year, my prayer for you is that what you see is what Simeon saw. As you see hope and salvation available to you from Christ, but you feel the stirring to also make the decision to grab hold of that hope. In fact, I want to pray for you today, if that's you, that you'll accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. He forgives our sins and He saves us. That's the Savior part. But then He directs and guides us and we submit to our, our lives to follow Him. That's where the Lord part comes in. And then for those of you who are Christians already, I want to pray for you, man. Keep the hope that Christ brings burning bright in your life for all to see. May you live your lives like Simeon, full of righteousness and goodness for others to simply see, yes, but for them to also be impacted by God's deep loving grace. And when times of difficulty do come, and they will, whatever they may be, you keep the hope of Christ burning brightly in your life. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Be a Simeon. Let me pray for you here today. Father, we love you, man. And I thank you for all of those who are watching and listening right now. God, for those who might say, hey, today's the day where I, I just I want to start over. We're talking about a brand new year, a brand new life. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've gone through some difficult things this year and you realize I need God in my life. Lord, for those folks who just say, hey, I'm going to start over with Jesus. I pray right now uh, that they would open their hearts and allow you, God, to to cleanse them of their wrong. In fact, if that is you right now, wherever you're at, just pray to God. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me for the wrongs that I've done. Can you cleanse me, make me whole, make me new, and give me that brand new, fresh start, that brand new life. Come save me. And if you can pray that, well, he becomes now your Savior. and Your sins are forgiven. But now is another part of that prayer. We're going to make him Lord. And so now I want you to pray, Jesus, become Lord of my life. I want to follow you. I'm going to serve you. I'm not going to be my own person anymore. I'm going to submit myself to you. Do with me what you want to do. Take me wherever I need to go. But God, I'm committing myself to standing firm and following you from this day forward. And that's called making him Lord. And so I thank you for those who said that prayer along with me in their own words, Jesus, who have made you Lord and Savior of their lives. I pray that you would move in them in a powerful way and use them in their story to impact people for you. And God, I pray for those who are already Christians and they're entering into 2021 and there's a lot of things on the horizon that I think we're going to face and we've never really faced before in this country. And Lord, we're heading down that path. We're heading down a path we don't want to go down. 
in, in, in the coming days, months, years, whatever it may be, we'll be, have some difficult moments we'll be faced with, right? And we may have to take a stand for you in ways we haven't done before. And Lord, I pray that in every situation that a believer finds himself in, where it's the boardroom, schoolroom, God, out in the community, in the home, wherever it may be, God, I pray that they would take a stand for you, that they would keep that faith, keep that hope brightly shining and burning for you, God, I pray. They would remember Simeon, that they're not going to give up, they're not going to quit, they're going to keep that faith, Lord, and keep that hope front and center in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that you give them the strength and the courage they need here in 2021 to stand for you. We love you, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, so glad you could join us. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.